In today's episode of 54 Yards, we're going to talk about the national championship preview between Washington and Michigan. Super excited to talk about these two great teams and their journey to the college football playoff national championship. Make sure you guys stay tuned. So in today's video of 54 Yards, uh, college football national championship preview, I'm going to, you know, do a brief introduction of the teams, their strengths and weaknesses, and, you know, kind of compare rosters, um, what I think each team needs to do to win and dominate the game, and, you know, give my prediction of the final score and who I think is going to be the most impactful players and players to watch out for in this game. So I'm going to start it off. Obviously, Washington just beat Texas, University of Texas, and uh, that was a great game from not only an X's and O's standpoint, but the offenses on both sides of the ball were running, you know, super efficiently. Uh, brief brief notes on Texas. Um, they got behind the chains a lot in that game. I think they were behind the chains six to seven times within that game. So that kind of, you know, caused them to not be able to move the ball as proficiently as they would like. Um, I also think Steve Sarkeesian should have ran the ball more at the beginning of the game. Um, he ended up running at the end of the game, but without having Jonathan Brooks, uh, Blue, and uh, Cedric Baxter ended up having some costly fumbles in that game, which, you know, kind of swayed the outcome of the game and how they were looking on offense. Now, Washington. Everyone's heard about how dynamic these receivers have been, you know, all season long, right? You know, with McMillan, with Polk, with the Duesnay, they're just elite. They're, they're some of the best, you know, tandem of receivers that I've seen in a long time. Obviously, you know, you got the Ohio States of the world. You even had the Texas of the world. And uh, these were kind of the wide receivers that were being talked about. But Washington had been overlooked throughout most of the year. And uh, I think that has to do with them playing in the Pac-12, them also being on the West Coast the Pac-12 having that Pac-12 network. So there might've been some games that were hard to catch and things like that, but Washington's been able to put it together. I mean, Kalen DeBoer is one of the best offensive minds in the game, you know, started at Sioux Falls, ended up, you know, being an OC at Indiana, becoming the head coach of Fresno State, and then ended up taking the head coaching job at Washington. And that's kind of where him and Michael Penix, you know, have, you know, really developed this relationship with each other, right? Uh, Penix, you know, was a quarterback at Indiana, had, a you know, a lot of, you know, crucial injuries, towards ACL twice, hurt his shoulder once. And um, these, I think, kind of led him and DeBoer to have this, you know, perfect marriage, right? Uh, Michael Penix, uh, shout out to Adam Brenham on his podcast. But Penix talks on that podcast about how he was able to, you know, really look into what that he what he wanted from a roster standpoint and how he wanted, you know, that to shape where he was at and, you know, make his decision. He was all about business. He was all about ball. Penix is a lefty. He can spin the ball really well, um, you know, and it just really played in this factor. Um, he was able to take some deep shots in that game against Texas. His offensive line was able to protect him against that elite um, defensive front, which, you know, uh, Texas has uh, Sweat and Murphy. Those guys are going to be first rounders as well. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, ma uh, matchups make football games, right? Um, I think Texas matched up well against Alabama. They obviously beat them this year, and Texas matched up well against Michigan from, you know, they had the skill skill on the outside, but they also had the line of scrimmage play to match up with them. Washington, you know, they weren't able to really run the ball, but from a line of scrimmage standpoint, they were able to protect Penix when it mattered, and he was able to, you know, attack that secondary. Um, Texas having such a weak secondary was kind of, you know, due to teams, you know, being behind in games, but, you know, Penix was able to expose that. Um, he was able to complete some deep, deep shots to Duzne, to Polk, to McMillan, and he was throwing lasers. And one thing I really liked about him, he did not turn the ball over. He did not make any careless throws. And, uh, you know, that was outcome of the game. So uh, moving on to the Rose Bowl, which was the earlier matchup between Alabama and Michigan. This was a great game. I think uh, if you like a defensive-minded guy, 
Um, I like the game. I like the X's and O standpoints. I really liked what Michigan did to Milrow. They got after him, you know, early and often. Uh, you know, they created five sacks, ran a bunch of stunts, a bunch of different blitzes from every level of the defense and able to affect Milrow. Now, Milrow had some, you know, issues with the snap. Uh, his center actually just entered a transfer portal, and I think he committed to Ohio State. Uh, don't quote me on that. But, you know, the snaps are such a big deal in college football, right? And just from a timing perspective, if the, if he's having to worry about the snap at quarterback, then obviously he can't check the protection, can't check the blitzes and things like that. And that's causing, you know, some level of, you know, uh, you know, just uncomfortableness in that pocket. Um, he wasn't really able to affect the game with his legs like he wanted to or extend plays. And uh, his receivers also weren't able to get open against Michigan having, you know, elite secondary. Um, and Michigan, you know, for the most part, beat them up all throughout the game. Besides, you know, that third quarter when Alabama took the lead and kind of started to control the game and a, a bunch of special teams lapses from Michigan. I mean, the, the I think they I think they muffed a punt and then uh, they fielded a punt, uh, you know, that was damn near safety. And then they also missed a field goal. So, like, with special teams lapses, that kind of kept the game close and with Alabama's grass. But, you know, when they get to overtime, right? Um, I really liked uh, just how they, you know, handled the game, you know, running the ball. Uh, J.J. McCarthy made some great throws as well to get the game to overtime. And Blake Corum showed up. Um, he balled out. I mean, even the first touchdown that got him involved, you know, running that, uh, you know, they ran that ran that uh, running back and kind of, you know, ran him behind some trash and, you know, found him open, which is a great play call as well, you know, to give him a receiving touchdown early in that game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, besides, uh, you know, that missed tackle by the safety, I really do think uh, Michigan was able to, uh, you know, lock in defensively and cause havoc against Alabama in that front, that offensive line. And, you know, the game was one in trenches right there. It was truly one in the in the trenches. So now this takes us to the national championship game. How do I think both teams can hurt each other? Well, I'm going to start with Michigan. I think Michigan, the way they are, the way they're built is to, you know, shout out to Joel Klatt. He's been using this term, but they are a boa constrictor. From a you know an X and O standpoint, they play great defense. Have uh, you know they can run the ball extremely well, and they can also hit the big play off a of, you know deep play action for running the ball so well. The defense is really 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 good. They don't make mistakes. They have uh, elite cover guys that can cover you at any level, you know, on the field, and then they have a tenacious defensive line. So I think how this how they can af- affect uh, Washington in this game is to do. More so what Texas did in the second half. Run the football and continue to run the football and shorten the game and take possessions away from Washington. You don't want a team with that kind of a firepower on offense to have a ton of possessions because if you give this team a ton of possessions, they will score a bunch of points and they will light you up and they can score very, very fast and they're very efficient at scoring. Even on third downs, anything like that, they just know how to move the ball really well. They're always in great calls, and they're always ahead of the change just due to how dynamic they are on the outside, running bubble screens or a little short completions, you know, to get a couple yards. Now, I think if, you know, if Michigan runs the ball and they just constantly run the ball, kind of how they did against Penn State, I think they'll have, you know, a lot of success against this Washington run defense. Um, I don't think their Washington run defense is that great. I do think they have great cover guys. They have a great DN with Trice or Trice or Trace, but, uh, you know, if they're able to just get ahead of the change, I think that, you know, will help them out. They can also, you know, hold the ball, take away possessions, like I mentioned earlier, from Penix. Now, I think Penix and Washington, they can hurt um, Michigan if they, you know, make this game a track meet. If I'm Washington, I'm getting the ball first, and I'm going, I'm being super aggressive, and I'm pitting the pressure on, and I'm scoring. 
I'm trying to make this game as fast-paced as possible, and I'm trying to score at will and put a bunch of points on the board. Kind of how TCU did last year in the semifinal against Michigan. Obviously, Michigan kind of sold in that game, but TCU, you know, scoring as much as they did, put a lot of pressure on the Michigan Wolverines, and it caused them to get in a track meet type of game, which I don't really think they're they're built to play like that. I think they can play like that, but I don't think that's the type of game they want, right? So if I'm watching, you got to be ultra aggressive, even going for it on fourth down, you know, inside uh, the opponent's 50, and, uh, you know, constantly moving the ball, trying to get points as quickly and as fast as possible. Because you know Michigan is probably going to try to limit possessions in this game, and if you're watching, you got to – you're going to feel best with your offense on the field and trying to score a bunch of points. So to compare some of the best top players on each team, um, I want to start off with the quarterbacks. I think Michael Penix is that guy. Um, you know, there's a big debate if he should have won the Heisman over Jaden Daniels. And obviously Jaden Daniels put up video game numbers, was nuclear with the football, but he never won any of those big games or those big time matchups. Penix, you know, beat Oregon twice, beat Texas um, you know, survived in that gauntlet of the Pac-12, which a lot of people thought was the best conference this season. And he also, you know, he just delivered on the biggest stage, you know. Uh, he is really the catalyst of why that offense is so efficient. Obviously, they have great receivers, but, you know, he's just put up amazing numbers. And um, he shows why he's moving up in the draft boards. I mean, a lot of people are talking about him potentially being the first overall pick over Caleb, over Drake May, over Marvin Harrison Jr. So right now, you know, he's putting on a show, he's performing, and it's well-deserved. J.J. McCarthy. Now, J.J. McCarthy, I really think he's a good quarterback. Um, I think he doesn't have to do as much, obviously, because the way the team's built and the way they want to run their team, you know, run the ball, very run heavy, play action, deep shots. Um, you know, efficient with the ball. When you take your shots, you want to do those. But according to Pro Football Focus, J.J. McCarthy on 20-yard throws this season. He has a 92.5 passing grade, 10 touchdowns, one interception, and 128.9 passer rating. So, on those deep shots, he's really taking care of the ball. A lot of this is, you know, due to the box being extremely loaded, heavy play action, taking shots. But he's delivering on those shots. I mean, he even made some throws in the in the Rose Bowl, you know, Roman Wilson, and just moving the ball methodically down the field. So going back to my notes here, um, yeah, I think uh, the edge running a quarterback. We got to give the edge to uh, to watch uh, to Washington with Michael Penix. I mean, he's that guy. Um, you know, a lot of people thought J.J. McCarthy was the least talented quarterback in, you know, in the playoff behind Quinn and uh, Milrow. But uh, Penix, I got the edge here. Now running backs, right? Blake Corum is that dude. A lot of people call him a goal line merchant, but he still rushes for, I think, still averages like 4.7 to carry. He has over, you know, 12 or 1,300 rushing yards. And uh, he has an all-time rushing touchdown record at Michigan uh, in a season. And uh, obviously Washington has Dylan Johnson, who was banged up. Uh, towards the end of the Texas game, which obviously almost cost him to lose that football game due to him, you know, getting hurt. And then also Washington not taking a knee and things like that. But that dude is uh, both of those guys are really good. Dylan Johnson, very dynamic. Hopefully he's 100 percent for this game. But I uh, got to give the edge to Blake Corum. Just, you know, experience, grit, determination um, and then the play style, too. I mean, uh, uh, Michigan is built to really run the football and you know, be dynamic when they do run the football. Now, this is a good comparison. I want to do Michigan D-line versus versus Washington's O-line. Obviously, Washington's O-line won, um, you know, the award for best offensive line in the country. Um, and those guys show that as a cohesive unit, they are 
the best union in the country, especially blocking against Sweat and Murphy and all those guys from Texas and holding their own. I think Penix didn't even get sacked. Penix does a good job as well as manipulating the pocket and moving around. So he's not, you know, he's he's able to help his offensive line when they do get beat by being just such a smart and seasoned quarterback and savvy quarterback. But Michigan's D-line is elite, man. They got some dogs in that in the interior especially. And the hardest thing to do in football, and this is why Texas was so good this year, is to generate pressure from the pocket. You generate pressure from the inside of the pocket, you know, you don't have to typically blitz or send anybody. You can you generate pressure for now alignment and interior pressure. That's the quickest route to the quarterback. And it's also just it just destroys the pocket from a whole in its entirety. So I'm super excited to see this lineup. If I have to give an edge, though, I don't know. I think I'm gonna give the edge to Washington. And here's why. I think if Michigan if Washington wanted to run the football a lot versus this Michigan D-line, I think that'd be an issue. But I think since they're so dynamic at throwing the football and they were able to hold up and pass protection against Texas, rushing the quarterback with D-line is a lot easier to do than just like moving them off the ball and trying to, you know, move the ball, running the football. So I get the edge here to Washington, but by a slight bit. I think right now uh, FanDuel has a line at, you know, negative four and a half. I personally think Washington covers, but I think, you know, we'll get to that in a little bit. All right, so Washington receivers versus Michigan DBs. Michigan, they got some really elite DBs. Obviously, I mean, they played against Ohio State. Um, they played against, um, you know, the guys at Alabama. But uh, they haven't really been tested, I think, to this degree, besides when they played against Ohio State, right? And uh, obviously, Michael Penix is better than Colin McCord. So I'm going to pull up some stats here. Michigan versus Ohio State from this season, just to kind of read you guys off some of what, what the receivers did. Colin McCord, he went 18 for 30, 20, 271 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, and Marvin Harrison Jr., though, he had five catches, 118, one touchdown, right? So Colin McCord obviously is in Penix. Marvin Harrison, the best receiver, still had 118. You still had Fleming have three for, for 60. Um, and then the tight end, Stover. And that's another thing, too. This guy criminally criminally underrated for washington and um man th his name is let me find him washington his name is jack westover right this guy had six catches for 59 yards and he averaged 10 yards a catch now obviously you guys might not think that's a ton of you know that's not game-changing record-breaking stats but if you were watching the football he was clutch third down conversions this is where Penix was going for the football for the most part. You know, first and 10, getting ahead of the change, was looking for this guy. This guy was a clutch security blanket, and he's kind of, it seemed like he's a mismatch nightmare, has good hands. Um, so this is a guy to look out for. If I'm picking underrated players in this game, that's one to talk about. But yeah, man, these DBs and receivers, uh, you know, I think, I think Michigan, right? I think they have really good DBs. That's uh, a strength of the team. I didn't know it was super, you know, was in their favor, right? Um, I wanted to pull up the the stats for the year. Yeah, so right now, looking at the pass stats, uh, Michigan is, you know, they're second in the country in pass defense. Texas was in the the late the, uh, the in the nineties, right? So significantly different. And I think obviously this is due to Michigan having the type of defensive line they have, so they're able to cause a lot of havoc on the QB. Their secondary is also really good, and I also do think it is that they play in the Big Ten, and, you know, the only teams that can really throw the football over there is typically Ohio State. So that might factor into this a little bit, but nonetheless, top five in passing defense, you're elite back there. 
And I think they got some guys that can really get after these receivers and, you know, kind of cause some havoc. Now with McMillan, with Polk, with the Duzne, these dudes are all just fantastic, right? Like, it's been a while since you've seen a trio that's this dangerous. I mean, for most of the year, too, I think McMillan had a couple injuries. Polk was a little banged up throughout the season. But now having all these guys fully healthy, you guys saw how dynamic they were. I mean, in that game against Texas, they were able to, you know, put up points, put up numbers, right? I mean, we're going to pull up some stats here. And in that game, here we go. Go to box score. In that game, right? Aduzne, six catches, 125. 20.8, though, per catch. Like, explosive plays. Jalen Polk, five catches, 122 yards, 24.4 yards per play, and he had a touchdown. You know, for Aduzne, his longest catch was 52 yards. For Polk, his longest catch was 77 yards. Then you have, you know, McMillan, five catches, 58 yards, 11.6, and he also scored a touchdown. Westover, 60 yards. You even have this other guy, three for 48, 16 a catch, right? So they're able to throw the ball. They're able to really move the ball down the field. And, I mean, all these guys are just so elite, so explosive. I mean, it's, it's really hard to combat when you have not only one or two guys, when you have three different options, and then you throw the tight end in there, you throw Jalen Johnson. So the, from an offensive standpoint, they're really, really good. Now we're going to go to Washington, or Michigan's offense. They have J.J. McCarthy, obviously very efficient quarterback, good quarterback. Roman Wilson, who's typically the number one receiver at Michigan. Um, and they also have Blake Corum. And then the offensive line. So the matchup is very interesting, you know, from the previous game. You had Washington playing against Texas, matched up well. Alabama against Michigan, matches matches up well. This game, I think, if I had to pick a, pick a winner in my prediction, I think Michigan will close this game out and win the national championship. I just think from the matchup standpoint, they are built better. I personally want Washington to win. I've always, you know, been kind of a fan of the Huskies and, like, a, from a side – I've just always respected the program, how they play football. Um, they've always had some interesting good players there. But I think Michigan, they're just built for this type of game. Uh, they're able to, if they can control the line of scrimmage, control the clock, control possessions, it falls in their favor. I don't think Washington's defense will be able to stop Michigan, depending on how they go about playing the game, right? If they, if they play like Texas, you know, trying to get the change, trying to, you know, call some crazy plays or whatever the case may be. That could fall right into Washington's hands, kind of how Texas did. Once Texas obviously got back to the run in the second half, they were able to be more successful, aside from the turnovers. But, you know, if Michigan, you know, not turn the ball over, run the football, control the clock, I think they'll win this game. Uh, four and a half, I do think Washington does cover, though. I think the offense is too explosive. Those guys are going to leave it all on the line. So, you got Washington covering, but Michigan winning. If you guys like this video and you guys want to see more content like this, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. We'll be dropping documentary type videos, uh, more short form videos, more uh, shorter videos like this. Before we get into, you know, 54 yards, our typical running podcast, uh, we'll run those back probably towards uh, next year or something like that. But uh, yeah, we got a lot of stuff planned for you guys on the PNA Sports channel. Thank you guys for all the love that you've shown us so far. We're at 519 subs. If you guys haven't hit that like and subscribe button, make sure you click that now. Uh, get us to a thousand, uh, help us continue to make amazing content for you guys. And uh, it's your boy Cam and I'll see you guys for the next video. Peace.